Hello and welcome to this Grace Baptist Mission Media podcast. You're going to hear Serving Today, a program for pastors and church leaders. If you're involved in discipling others or perhaps you teach the Bible one-to-one or in a small group, Serving Today will be relevant for a wide range of believers. Welcome to Serving Today, the program for those leading in the Church of Christ. I'm Andrew Cook and I'm delighted to be with you once more. Christian Basics, more on the topic of salvation. And Malcolm Ryan joins us for A Pastor Talks. At the moment in our Christian Basics series, we're considering in detail the ingredients that go together to make someone a true child of God. This happens when someone is converted, and the Bible teaches us that this involves repentance and faith. And last time, here on Serving Today, Dr John Hall showed us that repentance itself is a change of mind regarding our own sin. This includes a few things. First, we admit we are sinful, something very hard for us because of our human pride, but it is essential if we are to truly repent. Then secondly, it includes having true sorrow or grief that we have sinned against God's love and mercy. And we looked at Psalm 51 where David expressed his own deep sorrow for the sin he had committed, summed up in verse 4 where David declared in prayer to God, against you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. Well, we're going to continue looking at repentance as there's more for us to understand. As usual, Derek French is speaking with our guest, Dr John Hall, who's been an invaluable help with this series. Derek asked John to share with us what comes next. Now let's read in the New Testament a passage which speaks of sorrow over sin. Could you read for us, Derek, 2 Corinthians 7, verses 8 to 10? Paul writes... Even if I caused you sorrow by my letter, I do not regret it. Though I did regret it, I see that my letter hurt you, but only for a little while. Yet now I am happy, not because you were made sorry, but because your sorrow led you to repentance. For you became sorrowful as God intended, and so were not harmed in any way by us. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. Yes, that's very important to have godly sorrow. John, what is the difference between this godly sorrow and and simply being sorry, for example, that you've been caught out? Why is it important to have godly sorrow and not worldly sorrow? Well, worldly sorrow is that you are just sorry that you've been caught out or because the effects of sin are unpleasant. You've gone to jail, for instance. Or you may even be worried about God's judgment but there's no change of mind or heart about the sin itself. You would sin the same sin again if you could get away with it. You don't feel sorry about the sin, but about its miseries. So a true sorrow for sin, a godly sorrow, is that you hate the sin itself and you turn from it to God looking for forgiveness. You accept God's assessment of your life and state and you look to him for him to help you. The worldly kind of sorrow leads to death, judgment and hell because there's no change of heart or mind concerning sin. Godly sorrow leads you to God to find in Christ the salvation he offers and brings the joy of sins forgiven and it leaves therefore no regret.
John, what else is involved in repentance? We've had acknowledgement that we are sinful, followed by this true sorrow for sin. Is, is there anything else that needs to be added? Oh, yes, there is, Derek, because knowing you're a sinner and being sorry for sin doesn't save your soul. And some people only ever stop there. You need to turn from that sin to God for pardon, for cleansing, as we saw in the last passage. You need to turn to God so it leads to salvation, to the God who saves, as David said in Psalm 51. Repentance and faith in God's Saviour Jesus are closely linked, and in the true Christian, they're inseparable. Remember Peter said in Acts 2.38, Repent and be baptised. In other words, turn from your sin and turn to Christ and show that new relationship in Christ by baptism. God's kindness and mercy displayed in Christ is meant to lead us away from our sin to Christ. Paul says this in Romans 2 and verse 4, or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness? That's God's kindness and tolerance and patience, not realising that God's kindness leads you to repentance. So then, John, are we right to conclude that unless all three elements, this knowing God considers we are sinners, feeling sorry for sin and actually turning from sin to God for that pardon and cleansing, unless all three of those are present, then we haven't truly repented? Yes, Derek, that's absolutely true. It's a change of mind which leads to action. You see you're a sinner before God, you feel sorry for that sin and you turn from it to God for salvation. Perhaps we ought to add a fourth element too. The turning from sin is meant to be a permanent change of heart and mind. So you continue to hate sin, and with the Holy Spirit's help, you continue to seek to obey God. In 2 Corinthians 7.11, it shows that the godly sorrow led to a concern to see justice done. Paul writes, see what this godly sorrow has produced, what earnestness, what eagerness to clear yourselves. John, could we round this session off then by looking at someone from the Bible whose conversion displays the very elements of repentance that we've learned about today? Is there somebody you could direct us to? Yes, Derek, we're going to look at a group of people, really, the Thessalonian people. They were living in a town of what's uh, now known as Northern Greece. If you've got a Bible listener, please turn with me to 1 Thessalonians and chapter 1. Paul is thanking God as he remembers what has happened to these people how God chose them. And he knew that God chose them because the gospel message came to them with power, with the Holy Spirit, and with deep conviction. Convicted, you see, that they were not Christians. And then in spite of severe suffering, they welcomed the message and also spread the message. Their whole lives were changed. And the change was so remarkable that everybody was talking about them. Paul writes, they tell how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God. You see, they had conviction, they had a turning, they had a repentance, they put away their previous gods, they saw them as idols. And despite of the severe suffering that this involved, they turned from them publicly. And with all true turning and repentance and change of mind, they turned to the one true God and the salvation that he offered. They trusted God to save them. And their lives were changed, brilliantly changed. They now live to serve God. And as Paul goes on to say, 
and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. It's a lovely illustration, is that? Now, listener, the challenge is, have you repented? Are you still living your life without the one true God, going your own way? You persistently turn your back upon God. Your face is set on doing sin. Well, know this, that that path leads to the wrath of God and to hell. And so it's urgent that you stop, that you don't go on in that direction in life. But rather, as a result of these programs, you turn round. You turn away in sorrow from your sin. You admit that you're a sinner before God. You confess your sin before God, as the prodigal son did, and as King David did. And then you come to God for salvation through believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. So the challenge of this program is that you turn to him now and you come to him. And then you spend the rest of your life walking with Jesus, living in God's way, which leads to heaven, serving the living and true God as these Thessalonians did. Repentance then is a complete turnaround, a thorough change of mind and heart. And as we minister to new believers, we need to ask them gently and carefully if this is a true description of their own hearts. I say we need to do this gently because some dear believers go through a very difficult period of heart searching and spiritual struggle as the Holy Spirit convicts them of their sin and we are not to increase their grief. Others will not have had such an intense struggle, but they will have to come to the place of confessing their sin to God and turning from it and turning to him for mercy. Well, we now have Malcolm Ryan join us as he explores from the Bible the theme of trusting God in the occasional series, A Pastor Talks. With various challenges and pressures in our lives, there have been times when what's been happening hasn't made much sense. But here's the thing. Just because it hasn't made sense to us doesn't mean that it doesn't make sense. Speaking personally, I used to see life as a problem to be solved, but now, a little older and wiser, I see it as a mystery to be lived. How's that working out for you, you might ask? Well, as a Christian, it means that I realise God has a plan. It's a plan we can learn about in our handbook for life, namely God's Word, the Bible which answers a lot of our questions, but not all of them. You and I, we don't have all the pieces to the puzzle, so we don't always understand what's going on. In Isaiah chapter 55, verses 8 and 9, God explains, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Now one way of looking at life is as if it's like the roads we travel on. On our journey we get a stretch of good road, then a few miles of not so good road, and so on. Yet in reality, life's journey is more like being on a railway track, with one good rail and one that's not so good running parallel. In truth, we experience a mixture of good and bad, easy and hard, happy and sad. And in this mystery called life, one thing we can be sure about is that everything our all-wise God does is for his ultimate glory, and that as Romans chapter 8 verse 28 says, all things are working together for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. And that bit about being called according to God's purpose means that as believers, we're privileged to be part of his plan. That's to say, we're actively involved in doing his will. 
the will of a loving Heavenly Father who knows everything, is everywhere at once, and can do anything. And because he's all good and all holy, he's well worth trusting. At the same time, we're not to stop asking questions, because that's part of the learning process. Yet sometimes we're going to draw a blank with our who, what, why, when and how. And that's when we need to remember that we can't demand to understand everything. Rather, we're to trust that God knows what he's doing and that he knows what's best. Then secondly, we have to let God be God, while appreciating the mystery of his wisdom, guidance and care. And thirdly, we're to live by God's promises. And the Bible is full of those, many of which have already been fulfilled, because the one true God always keeps his promises. As the book of Proverbs chapter 3 verses 5 and 6 puts it, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. This brings our time together to an end here on Serving Today. This is Andrew Cook saying goodbye. May we indeed learn to trust God more and more each day. Well, we hope you enjoyed listening to Serving Today, a podcast from the Grace Baptist Mission radio team. There are a number of ways to get in touch. Our email address is servingtoday at gbm.org.uk. Find us on Twitter at servingtodaygbm. Or you can search our web catalogue at www.gbm.org.uk forward slash radio. Thanks for listening and goodbye.